Welcome, everybody, to the first ever CISO Sellers Mashup Series at Audience First. I am very excited to have all of you on the show today. We are discussing how do I even start a conversation with a CISO? With that, I am your host and moderator today, Danny Wolf, CEO of Audience First. Thank you again for joining us and to our brave panel who is on the show today. Thank you for setting time in your busy schedule to tackle a very critical issue in this space, successful and efficient communication. So how does this work? We're all unmuting our mics today so that we can get some honest feedback from each other and some value. Both camps, we have the CISOs and the sellers in the house. So both camps are going to have the opportunity to ask each other questions on how to connect with each other. It's not a one-way street. It's a bi-directional conversation. Both sides need to learn from each other in order to grow and retain business and to turn uh, each other into loyal advocates. In each of the sessions that we have, this is the first of three sessions, in each of the sessions that we have, the panelists will have an opportunity to ask each other one question so that they, that they can get direct feedback and learn from each other. The whole point is for them to have a way to get practical tips, but also share that with you. This is why we're doing this live so that you could establish long-term trusted advisor status with your buyers and with your sellers. I want to open up with the one question for all of you. I'm going to start with the CISOs in the house. What's your one bleeding neck challenge when it comes to receiving communication from salespeople or marketers? That they need me all the time. The, the conversations from salespeople are coming in 24 7, 365. And uh, I actually was thinking about implementing a moratorium and only allowing sales conversations like two or three months in the year right after AOP gets approved. So I can quickly spend a bunch of money and then not talk to them for the rest of the year. It's just a lot of incoming messages. And I'm trying to, partially because of the conversations we've been having, I'm trying to provide constructive. Um, feedback, let's call it that, constructive feedback to the salespeople that reach out to me uh, rather than simply ignoring them. I have way too much, right? But so whenever I get a message, I'm trying to immediately look for how can I make this better for me? Uh, how can I get benefits, et cetera, et cetera. And so getting back to them. So I have, I don't know, any, at any given time, 15, 20, 30 different ongoing conversations with salespeople who usually just reach out with whatever the message is. And I respond, let me sell back to you a better way to talk to me. And majority of my sales conversations end up going in that direction. Um, so just the challenge is just the amount, a lot, just very, very many. Mm -hmm. Chris, you want to try that again? Welcome back. I'm actually going to, I'm audio any better at the mud? Yeah, a little bit. Let's see. Let's, let's test it out and see. All right. Let's uh, see if it's any If not, I'll drop onto one of the other systems. And look cool. kind of go from there. So is on this one. Um, for me, a lot of it is due diligence or a minimum of due diligence. I mean, I'm pretty damn uh, about what I'm looking for, where I'm looking the also how to approach me. It's in my bloody tagline for crying out loud. It's ocean, tea, biscuits, and or Isla whiskey. 
I don't make any bones about it. If you get somebody that hits you up on LinkedIn, connects immediately, or even on email and starts asking if there's a problem or an issue, or if it's a focus, you know, again, there's a hundred and only several of them can be dealt with at any one point in time. Therefore, if you haven't done any basta question or even approached it in such a way to validate if you're the right, that's to me shows an absolute level of, of disinterest over what the hell's going on. That really is probably the big one for me. All right, I'm going to kick it over to Erica and Carlos. What is your one bleeding neck challenge when it comes to starting a conversation with a CISO or your ideal customer? The bleeding neck challenge for me, one, it's just so damn hard. I think that's something that is, you know, worth mentioning. You know, when I mentioned to other sales peers that I'm selling into cybersecurity or compliance for that matter, you know, it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard nut to crack. And so I'd say that that's probably the challenge, but the, um, uh, the benefit of that is that it forces me and others that are successful to not be transactional, right. To actually, uh, try to not only build authentic relationships, but be authentic yourself and also get involved in the community. I think that's something that, that folks recognize automatically. And so because it is so hard, it forces, like I said, folks like me uh, to be to be better at what we do. And, and for that, I'm thankful. The bleeding challenge for me is just getting my my chance at the table. Kind of like what Chris said, I'm I'm piggybacking off of it. Or um, I'm sorry, what Carlos said, I'm piggybacking off of it because getting to a CISO is the hardest thing you can do. And salespeople do understand that they have their own challenges. Like the CEO doesn't want this. The CFO doesn't want that. Like we understand all of that, but I'm always told like, I have to prove this or I have to provide this or I have to give all these things, but I'm never given that chance. That is what gets to me the most is because I can do all these things is, you know, become part of the community, show my face, understand your business, but I never get that chance. And unless I'm introduced by somebody else, it's literally the hardest thing is just getting your foot or your chance at the CISO. Uh, Erica brings up good points. No two ways about it. We are, <laughs> we're a pain in the ass to get to. Yeah. And I, and, and, and so I think part of the challenge and keep an eye, I have, I'll try and keep an eye on the audio as well and see if it's any better. Um, hopefully it bloody is. Oh, it is better. Good. Um, okay. so I think it's a couple, so there's several different reasons. First and foremost, our job, our core job is to, as Dimitri said, is to protect. So our role, a perfect example. I mean, I got, I got an inbound message this morning that I'd responded the other day that I responded to and the message back I got is I'm responsible for 27 livelihoods of my sales team and therefore you shouldn't be mean to me. And my response was F you. It wasn't yet, but it will be. Because if I screw up my job, 300 people, half a billion dollars, and an experimental jet go down the drain or up in flames. That's my job. Now, in order to do that job, exactly, I need the right tools. But I think part of the problem is, is a lot of folks don't maybe necessarily give us credit for the fact that we got here 
we didn't just turn up and become CISOs unless you went to bloody Harvard or Yale for crying out loud, at which point apparently that seems to happen. But we didn't just become CISOs. We actually have spent time in the trenches as analysts, as engineers, as senior engineers. We have a pretty good idea of most of the landscape, maybe not all of it, but a lot of the landscape. When we get to this level, we typically know what we need to look for to start with the basics, to start with the easy stuff. So we've got a good idea as to the tools and tech and everything that we're going to have to look for to get a lot of our work done. Therefore, when somebody hits me up and says, hey, I need to talk, I need to talk, I need to talk about this. I'm like, great, you might need to talk about it, but I don't need it at the moment. And there's only so many times that you can retort back with, talk to me in 12, 18, 24 months, talk to me later. And then the problem is, is unfortunately, if I respond, I'm on a sales list or I'm on the follow-up list, or now I get the downplated emails or, and so it's, it's a really rough, nothing's perfect. And I think, you know, Erica, to your point, you might have something that I need that I didn't actually think I needed. That's happened to me a couple of times. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I didn't realize that this option was out there. Right. But piercing that veil of 90, 90, 95% of people telling me the same crap I already know that I don't need to do versus that 5% of, ah, didn't think about that. That's mm -hmm. tough, especially when my core job is to protect the very reason that organization's brought me in. And I'm at war with everybody on the outside. And I feel like I'm at war with everybody on the inside. Let's face it, with all the sales and marketing. So there's, there's got to be a better way, but I just, I have some ideas and some thoughts and we'll get into those, but that I think is why you don't necessarily get that seat at the table. Now, my caveat on that one, sorry to go on this, my caveat on a perfect example is up at Grand Rapids. We were up at Gurkhan up in Grand Rapids. Um, I talked to some folks up there because they came up and we had a charity table going. They came up, we had a drink, they donated, and we just talked and we had five minutes and there will be two or three that I'll follow up with. And I'll follow up with them because they came up and they're like, hey, and it was the approach, it was the way it was done. And it was done in a non-threatening, non, I'm gonna sell you stuff, non, hey, I, there's a hundred vendors here and I'm another one of them. It was done in a very, almost a European way of doing it as opposed to the American, hey, you take number 10, number 11, number 12, number 15, I've seen on the day. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that the sales process is broken. And that's one of the reasons I'm on this panel today is because as the vendors and the resellers, we have presented a broken process. Now, I'm not saying that for every single company out there, but the sales processes and the methodologies, they're all great, but it's very broken in a very saturated field. You just hit that last bullet point is a perfect way of putting it. I've got 10 vendors telling me that endpoint product is the most perfect thing on this planet. Yep. And then you have 10 other startups that are coming at you eventually that you don't know about yet. <laughs> we're like, we're like these, uh, really hard to find nocturnal hedgehogs, mothers or something, right? We're like protecting, we have this whole literature protect in the, in back in the, whatever hole we came out of. And we come out for like an hour just to go like get some water. And as soon as we come out, there's like this bright spot, like, Hey, you need some popcorn. What? Like, what, what are you? I just get away from me, right? So that's what, this is what Chris is talking about. We have to protect, we protect 24 seven. And somewhere in the middle of all that, we have to be nice and friendly to people trying to sell us things we don't need. That makes it very, very difficult. 
for us. And I also get that it is very, very difficult for you. So I, I'm in agreement that we need to come up with better way, maybe more coordinated ways. But to Chris's point, if you can catch us in our natural habitat, and I don't mean necessarily drinking behind the table at a charity event, but there are places where we yeah. can either let our guard down or just we go there to meet people. Now, that is a way you get to meet us. And if in that conversation you didn't scare us too much, right, we didn't go right back into that hole we just came out of, then there's a chance you can come back and like, oh, I got you a treat. And we come out, we have a further conversation. So it's definitely not not easy and simple. But uh, to Chris's point, I think it's very important to understand the other side of it. We are on the on the wall, uh, proverbial wall, 24-7. Um, and whether it's um, experimental jet, someone's life, or or some money for some grandmother, I mean, these are the kinds of things we're dealing with. I love it. You're all getting into some great um, conversations. Uh, uh, Before we kick it to you, Carlos, this is a good segue. I'll let you continue with your train of thought and then and then let's get into the questions, because I do want to make sure we have enough time to also address some of the the audience questions as well. So go for it. Yeah, my my thing was like the, you know, the sales and marketing tools, like if there's if there's any group that an email sequence of 15 touches is not going to work on, it's these guys. Right. And so. I'm not saying it doesn't work anywhere because it, it's got to, but it doesn't work here. And so the ones of us that are, that, are, that, that are able to have these conversations, they have to build a ground game. And I think Erica could probably relate to that. And that ground game, what I mean is you have to start interacting with folks in a real level in order to have conversations to think long-term. And that's where our challenge is, is closing deals now so that we can keep our job, but building relationships so that we can close deals in 12 to 18 months. And so it's a certain kind of challenge with that. But the, the tools and the approach, that's just what probably doesn't work. And so that ground game of being able to make those authentic connections, LinkedIn's a great, probably the best for that, uh, you know, in, in our world. But I just um, kind of wanted to, to, share, to share that before I kick over to a question, if that sounds all right. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you, guys. And so my question and to, to Chris and Dimitri. So, you know, um, I think uh, this came from just sort of because I ask my prospects this, right? Like what attribute are you looking for in, in your next partner? And I, I said, you know, in my question, besides being trustworthy, knowledgeable, reliable and honest, which are some of the easy ones, you know, what are some attributes from a salesperson that you would, you know, appreciate or what would, you know, help you do your job better or help us be all more successful? I'd say curious. I, I cannot count the number of times I'm talking to a salesperson and I can see in their eyes that they've checked out. Um, and that's really weird because they are the ones interested in me in theoretically what I need to say or have to say, because that should empower them in their primary mission of helping me slash selling whatever it is that they're selling. But as we're having this conversation 20, 30 seconds in, I can see they've checked out and I, and I understand that they have basically shifted themselves down to the process. They're just, they're just following the steps and it's not a conversation. It's a delivery one way. And I know that from this moment on. I'm getting this flush of information from their head and there's not much they're going to remember as my response. So I know that that is the moment where this conversation is over, even if it still goes on for another 15, 20 minutes, just to be polite. And even 
I'm starting to not be polite sometimes and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I have to go. Right. And, and, and I know that for, for the salespeople, you guys do this the whole time, every day, and it might get repetitive like this, but it, it, if we notice that you, that you lost the curiosity, it's it, it's over. Hmm. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I'll go with integrity. Um, the first and foremost on my point is integrity. If you approach, uh, again, I've, you know, I, there are plenty of examples, unfortunately, if you say, Hey, you know, we met here, or I know your friend, or if you have a bank story that you have used or you're using and it doesn't check out or there's things that are put out there that don't check out, that's when, that's when it's a big no, no for me. Um, and I think also, you know, to, to Dimitri's point as well, it's coming in with at least a level of understanding as to who your target is. And it's tough because again, yeah, to, to, to everybody's point, you guys are doing this day in, day out. Well, we're a pain in the ass to get hold of number one, but it behooves LinkedIn is a good place, but again, for crying out loud, cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, it's right on the front of my profile. And it's on, I think a lot of us is do not do that shit. And I put it out there. I can't be any blunter and yet people don't read. So at that point, I know that you just don't care. And if I call you on it and you're like, oh no, I researched you. Well then, motherfucker, why didn't you just read the first three lines of my damn intro? It's very true. <laughs> I've laid the red carpet out. Admittedly, it's got a couple of minefields on there and the odd piranha tank, but I laid the damn red carpet out. And if you can't even figure that out, we got bigger problems. <clears throat> I'd like to hijack the conversation because a conversation is no, not a good conversation if it's not been hijacked uh, by anyone or, or myself. <laughs> to, uh, to Carlos and Erica, my question to you, actually, before we uh, kick it to Erica for her question... Why do you think that cut-paste, cut-paste quantity game is so prevalent in our industry? What, what, what about the behavior? Why is it not frowned upon? And why are teams not investing in building that relationship capital at a slower rate in order to increase the success rate versus doing the status quo? So that is kind of a, a long answer because for one, you have BDRs. BDRs and like outbound salespeople, they are, you know, judged on how many calls they make, how many emails they get out, how many responses, how many meetings they can get for salespeople. So cut and paste or like sending out bulk mass emails, that's the best way that they can get it out there in bulk. Um, I think it's laziness and not knowing your, like from a field sale perspective, I think it's laziness and not doing the research and getting to know your client or whoever your persona is on top of not researching their company at all. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to add to that because you're right. And even just researching the company, woohoo, we can get hold of, you know, in my case, you know, either boom or hillbilly hit score. Woohoo, we can get hold of the company. Do a little bit more than read the front page. Maybe mm -hmm. actually look at the targets, you know, back to exactly what you said, research the company and the person you're just about to do it to. Yeah. Research who you're reaching out to, your persona would be a CISO in this case. Like understand yeah. who they are and what they do or like who they are as a person not just that they have that CISO title and that's who your target is supposed to be. Understand your, your prospects and customers. Now, I think, I, think to your, I think to your point, 
the process is broken because having having watched a number of companies, the, the business development folks are measured on how many calls they've made, how many outreach emails they've made. So you're they're still prioritizing quantity over quality. That's the easiest to measure. Let me let me throw something out here real quick, and this is a total hypothesis. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I'm guessing, you know, that um, some of this, you know, comes out of like this startup SaaS culture, because I feel like as businesses are built, there's like these playbooks, right? Like founders start to build these SaaS platforms, and there's these playbooks, and they get kind of extrapolated and built upon and it's kind of a, you know, a, a spray and pray type of method methodology. I'm kind of on the dark side in terms of, you know, selling some of this stuff. I sell professional services, so it's a little bit different, but I, I do think that there's a certain aspect of that, that, that where, what I'm saying might be, might be true, or there might be something to that. I still come back to this being a problem for meaning it's our problem as in we didn't, we weren't the ones that created it, but we're definitely, uh, in a position to, to improve on it. And that's, I mean, this is why we're here. Uh, majority of this, I mean, if you think of those BDRs and SDRs coming to the market, they don't have the education at best. They might have a degree in something technical at worst. And that's probably the majority is either no technical background whatsoever, or for sure, no security background and definitely no trenches background, right? And so they're thrown in into these into the desert to go hunt these hedgehogs that are hiding in the in the in the hole uh, all night long, and no guidance, no nothing. They're just given this: here is your list, do a thousand calls, and you're going to be successful in this business. You know the the numbers. You call a thousand people, a hundred people pick up, ten of them you talk to, and one of them you sell to. Like that's what is it? One tenth of the percent. That's crazy, but yet. We, that's still, that is continuing to happen. And I just feel like it, it just, I don't know if it's just because the industry is so hot, people just have to go in and just no, no skill, just go do these numbers. And may, you know, maybe it's a filtering mechanism. Maybe this is how salespeople filter out the good ones from the bad ones. Go and do the phone calls for six months. And if you survive that and learn something, maybe you're, maybe you can become a, an account executive. But, but I got a director, I'm looking at those comments on LinkedIn. I got a director of sales, Chris Clark. What does checking you out look like when in a conversation? Just some basic conversations, just some simple stuff. Just understand, you know, how to start a conversation. This is social engineering 101. This is sales one. Chris, you want them, you want, you want them to learn <laughs> social engineering? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, in some way, I'm, yes, I know. I mean, that's a scare. When you think about it, it's a scary. <laughs> well, but I at least want somebody to approach me like a freaking human, not just another target. And I want it to be done. You know, we've put out there, what are we working on and some of the stuff? You know, back to that, I think somebody said on here, they take 10 minutes to look at somebody. That's fine. Honestly, that's probably nine and a half minutes more than most people take. Mm-hmm. There you go. Love it. All right. I'm going to kick it to Erica. Erica has a great question. Go for it. Yes. So I do a lot of research in trying to better my process, trying to get better at reaching out and getting into new accounts. And we all realize that getting an introduction to a CISO from a reliable source, like one of your peers is helpful, but not all of us have that. 
And we're constantly told that we need to show value at the right time. So my question is, what do you define as value and how can a seller know what the right time is? We touched on this a little bit, but please help us understand this a little bit better. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take a first stab at this one. So I, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. And, and I think I'm, I'm speaking both from experience as a, as a CISO, but also experience because I'm part of the Tinkerers group. So Will, myself, and a couple of others formed the Tinkerers group several years ago, literally over alcohol again. Um, yeah. Welcome to half our industry, unfortunately. Right. But um, I'm very, very guarded who I introduce to, to friends and colleagues. Uh, and it typically, I'm guarded up to a point when I can trust that relationship I have with a it becomes not a vendor and it becomes a partner. I trust that relationship when that person, a perfect example, we're putting in a, we're putting in like an MSSP at the moment. It includes, we're ripping out the current uh, endpoint stuff. We're putting in a new endpoint, the whole lot. I have, there is no chance of me introducing them effectively to anybody until honestly, we've been through that first, oh, that shouldn't have happened that way moment. And we see how that reacts when they're walking next to me or when they're in front of me with that shield going, Hey, I got this covered. When that vendor turns into a partner and it's a partnership, because you don't come in as a partnership, you might want to say the words, but it doesn't become a true partnership until you go through something that's not comfortable, until you go through something where there's conflict about to happen. At that point in time, then it becomes a partnership because you've worked through something tough. And no, negotiating on the, the master services agreement and the NDA is not tough compared to some of the stupid shit that has to happen. At that point, when I see how they react and I see how things work, then I have trust to introduce them to friends because then I know well, they will treat them the same way that they've treated me. But if we don't have that, how do we get to you by, and show you value? So I understand like not like there, you know, so, so, if Eric, you introduce us, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, let me answer that because this is one of the things I, I teach in some of the workshops I do. What is value to us? The old school value used to be money, right? So it's a exchange in value. We give you money. There's certain That's the value you get as the vendor. And we're supposed to get something back for this value. Usually it's a product, right? That, that was the exchange. Licenses, whatever may be the case. In rare cases, professional services and so on. So it was a momentary exchange of values and we're done. And... After that, we hand it off to the customer support or customer success team at, at best, and it moves on. But today, value, definition of value has to change. De value uh, today to me is progress. Mm. So progress in a particular endeavor, whatever my goal may be, that is the value. So if we look at from that perspective, my budget is now our budget. You and me are now in a project team together. We have the budget and we together using this budget needs to need to achieve some level of progress and with and when we can do that, then there's value created for my company. So when, when, when you are coming up to us and saying, Hey, what would be valuable to you? We would say it's progress. Now we go back right to the curiosity because now you've got to try and figure out, okay, progress where, what would be, what are you working on? What kind of direction you know what what are you trying to achieve what progress is on the table for you this year how much you know now we're going back to a lot of different questions that should be asked in this initial exchange 
to help you understand what are the things I want to progress on. And then you say, okay, you know what? I think my proposal, whatever may be the case, could be valuable here in achieving the progress that you're trying to achieve. So uh, try to step away from, from, from value being just money. In fact, it's not about the money at all. It's about progress in the thing. That's great. I'm going to scroll for a second. You may. There's Austin. You may. But Austin, as you just put a really freaking good point out. Sorry, it squirrels. Um, and it was actually, do you prefer giving hard stance or customer stories when a sales professional is speaking to about a solution? If before we have gone under NDA, you start telling me about your customers and you name your customers and you name, especially the people inside there, you name customers, you have lost my trust. And conversation. I love that well, answer. I wouldn't Why? even start a conversation without it without an NDA. Sometimes getting that NDA is a royal pain in the ass, uh, and and I I don't want to go through that. Ro I don't want to annoy the lawyers unless I have to. So I'll listen to conversations and I'll have a conversation about hey let's let's talk some general statistics. What's going on? What are they seeing? And I'm happy if they say hey. In this market, we're working, we're working around these organizations. But you start naming names and you start telling me you're working with this company and this company and this company. One, you're waving your dick around. Secondly, you've just given me target practice. If you piss me off, I'm going after every single one of your clients. And thirdly, I don't want to be on that list. How dare you assume whether you've got permission or not, how dare you take my name as an organization and run around everybody else to sell to them. So I have a huge, huge issue with that. In other words, you're out of the room. So yeah, and I think a lot of us in the CISO community feel very, very similarly about that. Yes, I want to hear that you're doing good and I want to hear you got solutions in these industries, but no, don't you dare come waving names. So anyway, sorry, I squirreled. Well, that's great. Squirrels right. and uh, hedgehogs allowed on the call. All right. I love um, that it's freaking awesome. All right, so <laughs> this is a conversation I think to everybody, which is why do you all assume that your solution is needed by me right now? I'll I can, I'll take that real quick. So I think that it kind of ties into your last question about the NDA, and I'll tell you how I think it applies. So you know, a lot of times, you know before you, it's kind of like dating, right? When we're having a first conversation. If I'm already asking you to get married, I mean, that's obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's out of line. It's kind of the, the, the same thing. I mean, we really need to have a conversation in the beginning, one, if you're halfway interested, just determine, de determine if we're a good fit for one another. I mean, I mean, I would say that's even before you put NDAs in place and get deep in, into anything. And I think it's the same thing with, hey, you know, this might be a good fit for you if you willing to take 10, 15 minutes with me to even determine if one, the solution's a good fit and B, our company's a good fit, then we can start walking down that road. And it's two ways. One, like if I'm not willing to go down that process with you, probably not a good fit. If you're so running so fast that this thing has become a transactional affair, maybe we're not a good fit for you. Let's determine that before we get to that spot. But I think people are so you know, interested in getting to the end before they even start because they are trying to hit KPIs. They are trying to get to 200% growth that they can't slow down enough to speed it up. And that's what 
where I think a lot of problems, where problems happen. One, I think you just basically gave the standard document that most of us get. Hey, I'm Fred from abc.co. Can I have 15 minutes of your time tomorrow to talk to you about the company that I think will be a fantastic fit? Cut, paste, put into Salesforce and deploy. I mean, that's basically the same message that we're getting from everybody. Sure, but you're not going to, yeah, totally. But you're, you're certainly not going to answer that in email form, right? But if there's somehow we're sitting around or we find a way to get to know one another and we just ha end up having a conversation, I mean, typically discovery calls aren't happening from a response to an email. I, I doubt that that's, that that's happening. And I think that's where that message hasn't gotten across to, to 6,950 of the 7,000 vendors out there. Yeah, it's out of place. Yeah. I have an idea. Everyone on this call, I, we, we got to like, can we like call trademark on an idea before people steal it? I mean, this is being recorded, right? We can keep the, <laughs> keep the proceeds. I, mean, so I, listen, I, I, think, I think if we have like a portal where all the CISOs go in and mark themselves up every like month or a quarter, like this is what I'm interested in currently. And then the salespeople can go and search for the different areas of coverage that their product can provide matching them. It's like a Tinder or Bumble for, for CISOs and salespeople. That might work, right? It's basically what the what they do for like SLED for government and education, the e-rate stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where you say what you're looking for and when. Someone already stole it. Can I, can I answer a quick? Oh. It's not in commercial. It's not on the commercial side. It's not in private. Wow, ah, Danny, let's let's jump on this. We got to we got to put audience first somewhere here. <laughs> can I quickly provide a, a, an idea why why all of of sales teams are thinking that they need, that we need their solutions now. I think in a lot of places, the sales and marketing teams don't understand the growth uh, trajectory of an information security program. Uh, they don't know, like, what is the starting point? How does the maturity increase over time? They don't know how resource allocation increases over time. And so they think it's, it's like, well, I got a house, I got to have uh, I got to have insurance. I got to get a tracking system. I mean, um, ADT or whatever the, the, the security system. I got to get a fence. I got to get a dog. I got to get a, a bat against the mosquitoes. I mean, whatever else you had, like all these 14 things you need to have, and you got to have them week one after you move in. Otherwise, it's not a house you can live in. So if you look at it that way, yeah, we need everything all the time. But the reality for us is that we get under, we are under budgeted, under resourced, and overworked and over expected. And it takes time to get from, from the basic maturity level to any, any particular area where your particular product or service may be beneficial to us. If you don't understand that progression, you can't even ask the right question of what level of maturity are you in this particular area? Because your product may be the right one at this level of maturity or maybe too far or too, too far forward, or too far back. Again, back to curiosity. I'll, I'll just add one thing to this. And my thought on it is it's in our corporate sales pitches that we're taught when we come to when a salesperson is brought on to a new company. And this is not to say that my current employer does this. Um, it's this is just what I've seen in the past. We are told this is what you have. This is what we want you to say and how we want you to say it. Make it your own. But it's always basically shoving the product down your throat. And like currently where I'm at, we're 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 doing it a lot different. Because we're salespeople have been so product fo focused, they need to be um, more focused on the overall, you know, value that we bring to you. You know, the overall partnership that we could build. 
So it, in the past, it's been a lot of product focus versus, and no consultative focus. There's so much in this to unpack. I mean, it's, you know, there was a, there was an interesting comment that goes, uh, Chris Clark again was like, Hey, how do we, how do we change this? And I think it's, you know, Eric, you said it, the process is broken. Now the challenge is how do you change X amount of thousands of sales and marketing professionals? I think this helps a ton. And, I, and, and I'm hoping that some people will take this put it on something heavy and stop beating people over the head with it, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I also really important, right? Totally. Yeah. But I think it also behooves us from the CISO standpoint. And this is going to be a tough one, Dimitri. I think it's going to be a tough one because I, I already, I know the counter argument. I love the idea of going to a portal and going, Hey, this quarter I'm evaluating A, B, and C, but I'll tell you right now that I, in the back of my head, I know there's going to be a whole bunch of CISOs going, well, I, I don't want to release that information because, you know, that's, that's going to open me up to a, to a potential attack vector of A, B, and C. I'm like, so both parties have somehow or other got to come to the table effectively. Um, I mean, isn't that one of those, I, I don't know, like either one of them where, where one side, how does it work? Like you say, I like this person and they say they like you, but only if one of the sides says it, yes. then it gets triggered, right? So only some so says I like it. it. Right, exactly. Anonymous yeah. up until it. then. It's not Here's bad. the other thing that goes with this as well, which I think is, is there's two parts to that challenge. And when, the, when you two were talking, there were two parts to this that really hit me. First and foremost, I think from a sales and marketing standpoint, the organizations need to understand that there is a methodology. We, you know, Dimitri said about you know your, your, uh, your maturity level. So putting that out there so that everybody understands, hey, if I've just walked into an organization, the chances are I'm doing evaluation. Then I'm doing assets. I've got to figure out what I've got, where they are. Then I have to figure out what the hell is on the damn things. So there are some basic fundamental things that need to be done before we even go messing around with all the highfalutin crazy shit that's out there. Yeah. Conversely, yeah, conversely, a little bit of our honesty and integrity has to come in which is you can't, not only can you not sell all my stuff all the time, you can't solve all of my problems. You can't come in and take me from a maturity of zero to a maturity five with your one king widget. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I, there's, we have to come to the table. I do like that idea of coming to the table and saying, hey, mm -hmm. God forbid, we're about to walk into the piranha tank and go, I'd like to listen to briefings about endpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's exactly what we <laughs> right. Well, yeah, there's got to be a me happy medium. And how do you figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> now we have uh, squirrels, hedgehogs, and piranhas. What's next? All right. Um, tasers. Cool. Tasers. Yeah. <laughs> always tasers. Shark. One must always have the tasers. Hammerhead. Oh hammerhead. Sharks. Octopus. Um, <laughs> All right, Dimitri has a great question. Dimitri, what's your questions, uh, question for our sellers on the call? It's actually kind of related to the conversation we just had. Um, yeah. So if, if, if one of you, if a vendor reaches out to me and um, asks my time to show me something, I want to be able to provide some level of control over that conversation. So like prior to the call, I'd get like, a, I don't know, like an SOW or something of the call. These are the things we'll be covering. Uh, these are the questions I'll be asking, and then there'll be a demo describing the following things. 
right? So something like that, like a predetermined structure to the, to the sales engagement, let's call it even that. Although again, I don't think sales should exist here. It's a partnership conversation, right? Part business development conversation or something like that, but there should be that structure. I'd like to talk to you, you know, what we get today is, Hey, can I borrow 15 minutes of your time to tell you how my product is going to solve everything plus cancer? Like, okay, let's, let's get to the basics. This is what, what I want to talk about. This is the topic. This is how it correlates to, uh, where I think your company is from mature. So, so getting some structure. So if, if this is what I want, is there already something like that, that the sales community uses and you guys just use it internally and we never see it but maybe we should or can input in, or is there no such thing? So an agenda to the call? More than just an agenda, but basically, yes. Like a really detailed agenda without too many words. How's that? Um, yeah, usually we, so I know what I do. I, I ask my CISO or my customer, whoever I'm talking to before the call, what they'd like to see, what points they'd like to be, what would like to be hit. And then I build the agenda off of that. If there's no like standard model or template, but that can be built. How about a certification? Chris, you want to run like a certification program for the, <laughs> the, for the sales teams? We know I, if we, I, we get another certification, I'm putting a bullet in its head. I tell you, we got so certified sales. Exactly. Yeah, I actually, yes. It's, <laughs> I actually, you know, they sell the hell out of it. I know. Right. I, you know, it, it is true though. I mean, there's a perfect example. I mean, I, I did a, I actually hung up for this. Actually the first time I've hung up on a sales call, uh, believe it or not on a, on a demo, sorry, actually hung up on the demo because they wouldn't listen to the questions. I think it was cause again, you know, Erica, to your point, you're given this script, you're told how to do it. And deviation was not in their model. And so, <laughs> you know, I asked the questions I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point I'm like, I'm done. I, I, it's, um, certified human decency. Look, that's what I see that these days. I do think that, and Erica, you, you, you hit it, which is you've already had the baseline conversation to understand how to approach and then to put an agenda together for something that implies that it's not the first email going, hi, I'm Chris, I'm representing blah, 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 blah. And I'd love to have a demo with you. We're going to cover all this shit. And by the way, here's six, six attachments. They're going to clog up your email, five testimonials from companies that you probably don't want to hear and a partridge in the pear tree. Um, I mean, that kind of stuff. How do we, we've got to change it. We've got to change it. We've got to change it. Actually, um, Irafan had a really good one. Where the hell was it? There was a really good one from Irafan a minute ago. There it is. I, 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 yeah. I'll answer the one I just put up as well. No, no, no. This is the previous one. How oh, about buying from sellers that don't fit the profile? And I think okay. this is where, again, you and I have the checkbook. And I, I always say this when I go on stage, I'm like, we have the checkbooks. We have the checkbooks and it's our responsibility. Do not be swayed by the free freaking dinner. Do not go to the free golf. Stop taking all the free shit and actually buy what is necessary, not what you feel like you've been pressured into. Now that also implies that we have more control and that we don't take it from the CEO I, or the CFO. So I, I also think that there is 
speaking, Chris, you mentioned social engineering. Uh, CISOs, technical people in general, are weaker from that perspective, unfortunately for us. You know, we grew up in dark rooms with pizza slid under the door. Uh, and so it's easier to manipulate us at a social level. Oftentimes, simply being nice may be a trigger for us to lose a lot of control. Just, just so happens for a lot of people. Um, I, I know, yeah. I know that's tough. Well, no, 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 no. You actually hit a puff and you hit a perfect nail on the head. Um, so inside Boom, every, about every month, we get a couple of different teams together and we have a featured speaker. Well, one of our crew brought in an external featured speaker who was a negotiator. And they actually spend most of their time working with, ironically enough, sales and marketing teams inside, inside our industry's vendors. And it was really uncanny just listening in and having the conversation about negotiation skills. It was actually really funny watching everybody's paces around it to go, oh yeah, you, you just got your ass handed to you by that one before. And so unless we've been through the social engineering training from a variety of different organizations, the chances are half the time you really don't understand that it's, it's happening to you. And so it's not wanting to be in control, but again, it's that honesty and integrity. Yeah. Uh, can I comment on, on Irfan's point, the one he made after, how do we influence so the script changes? I think it's an important point for any sales organization. And I, again, over the probably last six months, have been telling every salesperson I talk to, if you are willing to organize time with your management, I will find time to talk to your management about better sales techniques for the whole team. And I've done that already several times, uh, three or four times. The the person had a, had a had a manager jump up. Even when we had one that was basically just doing cold calls, and and he brought his manager and we we talked about this. We so we are doing that. I think if salespeople, if you feel like you're getting a cold shoulder, step step back and say, okay, look, it's not working. It looks like it's not working. I would love if you could talk to us about why. Forget the sale. We'll come back to you in a year, maybe, or whatever may be the case. But it would be really beneficial to us as the company and our sales team so we can bring the value to you if you could spend half an hour with us and tell us what we could do better. And again, I will dedicate time for this every week. And I, and I, and I know Gumana Cisos will do the same thing. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh, and that's, I mean, to give Danny credit, I mean, that's what she's built audience first for, is, is for that. I mean, we're doing... We're, I mean, I don't want to let too much of the cat out of the bag, but I mean, we get, we have an interesting inbox and spam mailbox. And so there's a very distinct possibility that a microscope is going to be put over that for two reasons. Reason number one, to take it to pieces, but more importantly, reason number two, to then spend time building it back up again. This is what your numpty ass did versus this is maybe how you should contemplate approaching things. We have just a few minutes left and I want to open up the floor to, to some of the questions here. We had some great questions from the audience. I do want to start off with one question from Christopher. Thank you for, for chiming in here. So to the CISOs um, in, the, in the panel here, with so many vendors coming in to the market, all offering the new shiny thing, uh, disruptive solution, what are the key factors you're looking for to give, to give them a shot at the table? Do you want to take this one? Do you want me to hit the one first? Yeah, I, I know maybe of one security program that is ready to take disruptive solutions. 
most of us are trying to establish things that just work. So I think oftentimes that's, that's not going to be, again, it's kind of tying back to the level of maturity and resource uh, uh, allocation for new disruptive solutions. The only time I am going to entertain that is if you're proposing to be some form of a uh, design partner, which means heavy discounts for a new disruptive solution, in which case you get a 90% discount for, let's say, a year while we work together to help you develop that product. That would probably be the only time I'm going to look into a new disruptive solution. Otherwise, it's just snake oil for me. Hmm. Probably couldn't have said it any better, to be perfectly honest. I mean, that was a fantastic way to look at it. Um, for me also, I think, again, uh, it comes back to those basics, honesty and integrity. If you're trying to sell me advanced quantum networking proof crypto quantum algorithms that are, that are proof of everything, you, you don't even, I mean, that email just goes straight in the rubbish. But if you say, Hey, look, we're seeing where the future is going. We understand what's going on. We think we have a pretty good idea of it. We'd love to get it, run it past you and just have you throw rocks at it for 10 minutes. Would you be up for grabbing a cup of tea in a couple of weeks time? You've got my attention. You know, that's how that's, I think it comes with that one. It's like, Hey, look, we got a really freaking cool idea. We think it's a pretty cool way of approaching maybe an old problem or an old issue, or, Hey, we see where the market's going in three to five years time. And this, you're talking to somebody who is one of the first on the market with a company building threat intelligence. So we're going back to oh. Three oh four oh five oh six time frame, so we put that out on the market. Then we got we got eaten up by one of the other companies out there. We actually sold it out to the company, so I, I kind of know how to have those conversations. So when I see them approaching me with with you know basically blinky blinky baubles and bullshit, they go straight <laughs> in the rubbish bin. If I see you coming up with the integrity, going hey, you all aren't looking outside of your own four walls. You got no clue what's leveled against you. You don't know if it's a trebuchet or an Exocet missile. We can help you actually understand that. And I'd love some feedback and I'd love you to throw rocks at it. I I'm going to give you five, 10 minutes. How do the CEO, COO, CFO, et cetera, affect your decision-making process besides budget? Uh, I'll start, Chris, if you don't mind, but we're, we're very quick shout out to Kevin Graham for his comment about mental health every day, every minute, every week, every month. I have the whole time, if you're not thinking about your mental health, you're losing, everyone else around you is losing. So definitely do not let the one go. Um, budget process. Um, these people, the CEO, CEO, CFO, they have a job to do. We have to understand what that job is. If, you, if you're a CISO and you haven't spoken to your CEO, CEO, CFO, you're missing out. If you're a sales person, it wouldn't be out of line to have conversations with those people in your company as well, to understand what is it they do, what is important to them, and what do they think value is, right? Erica, to your point, what is value? We CISOs are uh, responsible to those people, to the CEOs specifically, CEO, CFO, those are E-team e e that are executing the strategy, the, the management strategy for the company. Whatever they need is what our job should be to help with, our meaning CISOs. And so if you don't know what they're doing, what they're worried about, what they care about, you, the salespeople, it's going to be hard to tie together with us because this is what we need to care about on a daily basis. But they rarely make decisions on budget in the beginning of the year 
down to tactical level. It's not going to be whether we get this product or not, with rare exceptions, where it's really uh, uh, super important or super uh, uh, sudden, s- sudden spent. Most of the time, they'll simply work with you on an overall strategy and they don't have day-to-day, uh, hour-to-hour input into uh, sales decisions or I mean, purchasing decisions that we make. Yeah, and in the interest of time, I'll echo that. The CEO looks at me and goes, hey, how are we doing? I mean, I report to the board of directors and an advisory board, and they look at us and go, how are we doing? Where are we focusing? What are we doing on? The CFO is going to look at me and go, did you make a good financial decision and have you negotiated it most effectively you can? (laughs) Uh, And I mean, that's really it. And the CIO, for me, it's the CIO. So Charles is my CIO. He and I need to be in lockstep. That's really it. I'm going to throw it back one direction slightly. Again, for everybody listening on in this conversation, especially if you're on the sales and marketing side of it, how many of you have gotten hold of your own CIO and said, hey, can I practice on you? Or your own CISO and go, hey, how does this message resonate with you? Absolutely. That's a great point. Super great point. I'm going to say not a lot of us. Not enough. Yeah. Not enough. I think that's, yeah, not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough. This has been awesome. (laughs) And it's the first. We're only a third of the way through. We have two more sessions this month. Uh, By the way, everybody, we have uh, our next session, same hour next Monday. We're going to cover how to retain and maintain your relationship once you've established that first connection so that you don't, pardon my French, fuck it up. And then, <laughs> and then after that, after that, we're going to talk about the week after we're going to talk about how to create loyal advocates, right? How do we work hand in hand as advocates and partners in the industry for long-term, long-term relationship. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much to Carlos, Erica, Chris, and Dimitri. If you cannot join us for, for the next two sessions, do register at audience first for the on-demand recordings and all all the goodies coming with that. And as always, if you have any feedback on how we can do better, don't hesitate to leave that in the comments uh, or reach out to me directly. With that, this has been our first session. Such a success. And thank you so much again. See you all next time. Our host, Danny Wolf. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to Danny for putting this together. Huge shout very out. Cool. This was fun. Yeah. I appreciate it. Later. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, everybody. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.